ready. It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 434 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. As always, thanks so much for listening. This week I talked with creator Philip Kozlowski from Voyage Comics and Entertainment about two of his current comic books. The first is called Finian and the Seven Mountains, and it's described this way. Seeking to avenge the death of his parents at the hands of Viking marauders, a young man named Finian leaves his monastic school in Ireland to find a legendary sword rumored to have the extraordinary power to defeat evil. We also talk about the mission of Joan of Arc, and that one is described this way. At age 18, Joan led the French armies into battle. She was a peasant girl who couldn't even read, let alone fight a war. To save France from the English, she was going to need divine intervention. The heavens answered her. The books from Voyage Comics are described this way. They're faith-filled stories that captivate, inspire, and entertain. We talk about how the books came to be, as well as what we can expect from Philip in the future. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode. So let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast, Philip Kozlowski, the main force that I can tell behind Voyage Comics, which is a really interesting story. It has some great books coming out. How's it going, Philip? Doing well. It's good to come across you. I, like I was telling you before we started to record, I've been trying to figure out how I uh, came across your stuff, which I really like and I really enjoy. And I, I, I'm always interested in, in a variety of reading, and I'm also interested in biblical-based things like that. So... I'm not sure how it happened, but I'm glad I did. And you sent me a couple of copies of a book called Finian, one and two. And then I got issue number three. And I just, just before we started to talk, I downloaded this book on Joan of Arc. All kinds of interesting stuff to join. So uh, tell me about the, how you got into doing comics of all things. Um, uh, it just seems these days there are a lot of uh, storytellers that are getting into you know, Christian lore and Christian stories and things like that. What was it about comics that attracted you? Sure. Well, uh, yeah, to be honest, I, I've been somewhat of a comic fan over my life, uh, but not, not too deep. And a couple of years ago, I, well, I'm, I'm a writer, so I, I write for a living, mainly spirituality articles um, for various websites. And interestingly, like, you know, kind of every writer's dream is to put together this, this you know, this fictional story, and you know, to write this this you know your life's novel. Um, and you know, so I kind of started to write this story, and you know, in a, just a traditional novel format. But uh, to be honest, it it just wasn't working, and and so after that, I just I was. I don't know how it, it happened per se, but just had this this desire to, to tell the story and to put to put it in a format that is easily um, easily readable that people can 
easily go along with. And so then I started thinking about comic books. And, you know, before that time, I had not written any scripts about um, for comics or um, it had been probably many years since I read a comic book. Um, but I just was fascinated by this idea. And partially because for me, my my imagination really runs and I, and I have these pictures in my mind of what, you know, of the story. And I, you know, I kind of want to communicate that to the, to the reader. And so then I started to really latch on to the idea of comic books um, to be able to communicate this visual in a visual manner. And one thing I really like about comic books too, is that it's just when you sit down with a novel, it's kind of, it can be daunting because there's just so many pages and, and you don't, you don't know if you're going to like it or not. And sometimes it takes a long time to get into it. But with a comic book, they're, um, they're just a lot more um, universal in some ways. Both uh, young people and both the young and the old can, can see benefit from it. Um, and it can communicate a story in a very powerful way. So after that, it, it, things just kind of fell into place. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an artist, so I needed artists to kind of help tell this story. And at the time I I had this blog that I was writing and I kind of gave this idea of, you know, of making kind of these Christian themed comic books. And soon after some of my readers started to contacting me, one was, um, was an animator and he had worked with, uh, with Disney. And, and so he kind of gave me some tips and then, and then another reader chimed in and, and connected me with with uh, with Jim Fern, who is a, a veteran artist for Marvel and DC Comics. He's been with Marvel for the past you know thirty years, um, and so meeting him was really uh, providential. And, and I really grew as a writer, as a storyteller, and, and I began to really understand the comic book medium a lot better. And yeah, so then I kind of hit, I hit the ground running and, and, you know, the story that I started out with, um, initially I was just going to write a single issue. It's called Finning in the Seven Mountains. And it begins on this island that should be familiar to any Star Wars fan. Um, it's, uh, some people call it like Luke Skywalker's island. It's, it's you know, it's a real island. Uh, Skellig Michael off the coast of Ireland. And what kind of drew me is, is I was fascinated by this, by this very, you know, beautiful picturesque island and, you know, this association with the Jedi and Luke Skywalker. And just, well, I just found it just fascinating too, that there really was a group of Christian monks who lived on this island and who in many ways, you know, lived lives kind of like the Jedi. And, um, you know, they may not have fought, uh, you know, with lightsabers, but they they did see themselves as these spiritual warriors doing battle against, you know, against Satan and all his demons. So, so I, I so I kind of wanted to bridge that gap of of kind of like the Star Wars world and um, into the real world. And so then I developed this. This initially it was just a single issue, and then I just changed it along the way into a series where we follow these Irish monks and, and others along the way as they uh, as they discover a map and they discover kind of these uh, mysterious weapon and, and, and things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, I have to know. I, I, I'm just I'm fascinated by these kinds of things. It just it just grips me. How based in reality is this? Is this a story that's kind of you know how much of it is is uh, imagination? How much of it is is reality? Uh, it's hard when you tell stories like this to get it completely factual because it doesn't necessarily make a good story necessarily. So. Uh, how did you come across the story and, and how close to what actually happened is it? Sure. So uh, the, the story that I tell in Finian and the Seven Mountains, it's, it's based off of a lot of uh, medieval legends. Um, so I, in particular, um, what I looked what I looked to were these legends surrounding St. Michael, the archangel. Um, and, and in, in Christianity, St. Michael is, um, you know, this kind of warrior angel who, um, in the book of revelation in the Bible, he, you know, casts Satan out of heaven. And, and so, you know, whenever he's depicted, he has this sword, um, you know, doing battle. So anyway, so I, I, I kind of looked at these, these medieval stories about St. Michael. And then in particular, these um, places in Europe that have a connection to St. Michael. Um, And so kind of the basis for this series are these seven monasteries that are all have a connection, like are dedicated to St. Michael, but then they also have like, these stories of, of, of apparitions of, you know, these visions that people had of St. Michael at these specific locations. And then what's interesting is someone recently, like in the last, um, I don't know, 30, 40 years kind of plotted out these seven monasteries on a map. And if you look at a map, they basically form a, a straight line from, Ireland to, to, to Jerusalem, to Israel. Um, and so, you know, so a lot of people have kind of, you know, kind of found that kind of striking that this, these, these monasteries, they're all developed separately from each other. Um, all at different time periods, uh, in the, in the middle ages and just how, how fascinating that they're all, they're all, connected in this way and they kind of have this, you know, it's, it's like they're leading, uh, have this point towards Jerusalem. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I, so basically there's, you know, the, the reality of it is these places are, are real, you know, that you can, you can get on a plane and go see them. You know, you can visit these seven locations and, um, you know, the, and even in some of these places, there are like uh, like relics or uh, you know things that you know the local people have passed on through the centuries that you know they say that are connected to Saint Michael. Um, like even one of the places in Italy um, has this sword that that they uh, they said came you know from one of the apparitions of St. Michael. Um, so, yeah, so it's, so it, 
so I mean, there's definitely a lot of historical and real connections, but then, then yeah, then the rest of it's you know just kind of a, a fantasy story of of kind of me piecing all of these stories together um, to make a to make one story, basically. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let me read the, at the beginning of issue one. There's a couple of paragraphs that really quickly tells you what the story's going on. It says terror reigns in Ireland in the ninth century. A fierce Viking clan known as the, and I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Drekking, Drinking. I don't uh, know how to it. Drinking is how I pronounce it. A drinking, okay. Continues to, fill, to pillage the countryside, killing villagers and taking precious treasures back to their homeland. Seeking to avenge the death of his parents, a young man named Finian leaves his monastic school to find a legendary sword that has the extraordinary power to defeat, e- defeat evil. To find the weapon, he must travel to an isolated rock in the middle of the sea known as Skellig Michael. This distant island off the southern coast of Ireland is where it was last seen. And that leads into the story. One of the things I enjoy about the story a lot is there's a lot going on. There's, there's, it's a lot of drama happening. There's a good amount of action, too, happening in it. And we start to get to know the characters, and we get to see, you know, how he gets to, to – he, he leaves the, the monastery where he's at, and Providence kind of guides him as he goes along the way. And uh, it's really a fascinating story to see because, you know, we, you wonder how much God has to do with, with stories and things like that. And we really get to see the providential leading happen a lot. In this book, a lot. I, one of the things I really liked about that because I think sometimes we're we're kind of uh, tone deaf to that stuff a lot today. But I think in those days, I think it if something happened, it was pretty obviously provident, <laughs> providential that these kind of things happen. So it's nice to see that from that something happening from that perspective in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's something that was very common, uh, you know, in the middle middle medieval ages where yeah they saw everything as is happening you know by god's will and and uh something we don't always recognize but sometimes sometimes we get some glimpses of it when we look back and we see oh if if that hadn't have happened then this wouldn't have happened and so we can kind of see a, a chain reaction um but but yeah it's really interesting and of course Michael, let's just say, becomes involved in the story as we go along, and things start to move in a direction that that uh, takes things happening. That I'm interested too. I, I I have to contrast this to the TV show Vikings, where they kind of looked at the, the Vikings. To them, are, are sort of noble, if if pagan, you know, people and stuff like that. And they always look at Christians as sort of Scants, they're not really the the people they think they say they are kind of stuff. But uh, this book goes at it from a different perspective, and, the, and honestly, it's a very honest, I think, perspective on the Vikings as well as the Christians, as that everybody's human. And, uh, the Vikings have a different way of dealing with things, and we get to see that almost immediately that uh, things are going along and. <laughs> Uh, let's just say that the Vikings do not ap- approach things the way that the that Finian and the people around him do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I've writing this story, you know, I want to, you know, I do want to have character to the, you know, to add, you know, flesh to the characters and to, to show their, their faults, their weaknesses, but up in their strengths. But then, but then also, you know, kind of a, 
a clear line as to you know good versus evil and, and so in, in this case yeah the, the vikings kind of um take that uh, that that stance <laughs> mm-hmm. now there's there's one character that i got a kick out of and there's a bird that's involved in all this mm-hmm. and his name is pika mm-hmm. talk a little bit about pika about you know what pika is and his involvement in the story sure well it um so pika it's it's a puffin um, from Skellig Michael, and so it, and in Skellig Michael in the real world, you know, puffins are that's where they, um, I think, where they nest in certain times of the year. Um, but yeah, and then he initially, I, you know, I had this idea of of putting putting you know a bird that kind of had a a minor role in things, um, and then. Um, and then as I started writing more issues, I, I decided, you know, I'd, I'd like to have him along for the ride. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, I was just kind of thinking like a lot of, just a lot of great stories. Um, it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to have a, uh, an animal that is kind of like your sidekick, uh, who comes, comes in when you need him. Um, and, and so that's what, what kind of he does throughout, uh, the series. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I appreciate the, the look of him a lot too. He's got a very, uh, um, it's almost, a, uh, 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 I want to say, uh, yeah, a, a look of a bird that would be in the, in the more temperate climates because he's bright orange and stuff like that, as well as the black and the white. But, uh, th- that's, they're native to that part of the world though, as you're saying. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they nest, I think, on on, on Skellig Michael and uh, and the island that's right next to it. So, um, so yeah, it's it's that's where they would come come from. Kind of interesting because you know he's a wild card on some levels. Uh, at the beginning, let's just say that uh, he moves the story along quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. They're looking for something, and and the peak is the one that uh, makes it be available to them. So I kind of like that about him. He earns his place pretty quickly which I liked. So he's, he's a very interesting because, you know, I, I sometimes animals are a little too smart to be an animal. I always think back, there was an old cartoon when I was growing up called Johnny Quest, and they had a dog by the name of Bandit. And Bandit was way too smart to be a dog, I always thought. But this is actually a real bird. You know, the, the things that happens, he does things that a bird would do not a human being would do, which I like about him. You know, he doesn't talk, for example. He's, you know, if he makes any kind of a noise, it's just an animal noise. But I like the fact that he does, you know, that he's along for the ride. He gives you that chance something unusual is going to happen, which I like about him. He's a, he's a good thing about that. He keeps us <laughs> from getting too complacent. <laughs> so I like that about him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want it to him to kind of distract from the story, but I kind of wanted to give him yeah, a little more flavor to it. Yeah. He's, he's really good character. I really like him. And of course, you know, it, it's, it, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on and he's always kind of in danger you know, whenever they go places, you know, because as a bird, he can't do a lot, but yet somehow he manages to help now and again, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. So I, I like that about the character. So Finian, let, let's talk a little bit more about him. Cause I think that, He's the one that the whole story revolves around. Talk about Finian. You know, we've mentioned the fact that his parents were were killed, 
and he's trying to resolve the situation about that. Who is he? I mean, he's obviously he was studying, you know, at a, a monastery, but he apparently has other things that, that's going on with him. Do you want to talk a little bit more about him? Sure. Yeah. Um, so in, in the beginning of the story, he's he's kind of, a, I don't know, an older teenager. And he basically he, you know, he's, his parents sent him to this monastic school, hoping that, you know, he would, um, you know, have a, you know, become a monk someday. And, and, and at that time, that was, that was pretty common to do. But then, you know, while he's at this, this monastic school, he finds out, you know, that his parents were killed by the Vikings. And so he, uh, yeah, so he has kind of like a, a, a more aggressive approach or response to that news. And, um, you know, here's the stories about, about this, you know, this mysterious sword. And so he wa- he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to sit around. He just, he wants to do something about, about it. And he doesn't, doesn't want to do something little. He wants to do something big. He wants to, you know, really, um, do something impactful. So, you know, so he, he, get, he gets out of there and, and, um, you know, no one really understands what he's, why he's doing it. Um, no one really believes him. Um, but, you know, he gets there and, you know, he doesn't, um, you know, he, in the end, he, he ends up, you know, kind of letting, letting go of that. But then also a door opens where he can, he can do something for the greater good um, mm-hmm. in the end. So mm-hmm. very cool. Now he's got uh, 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 somebody from the monastery by the name of Brendan goes with Finian, and he's an actual monk, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, is there anything special about him that we need to know? Um, not at I guess. Um, I mean, you know, he's you know kind of a, one of those you know faithful monks who kind of you know you know, does kind of essentially what he's told and, and, uh, you know, he ends up going along for the ride, but he, um, you know, he, he, in some ways he's based off of a, uh, an Irish saint, uh, named St. Brendan. Um, and they, they call him, uh, sometimes he's called St. Brendan, the navigator, uh, because he, uh, you know, kind of excelled at, um, you know, navigation and, um, there's lots of stories of him, um, having many different adventures. So, yeah, so that's kind of his, his role. And of course that leads us to the, the woman going along for the ride. Talk about her and, and what her role is in things. Sure. So, so when we get to the, the second issue, there's, uh, Merwin and she, um, She's someone, you know, a bit of a wild card. Um, they they, they kind of just, you know, by by chance uh, encounter her when they get to the next to the next island, and you know she, you know she was similarly kind of driven out by, you know, her family was driven out by the Vikings, and she was trying to uh, trying to escape, and ended up, you know, getting much get into, you know, something that was much more beyond that, that she imagined. Um, but, 
because of the skills that she was taught as a child, she was able to kind of rise up above those um, obstacles. And then, you know, because she has nothing left, she joins the team as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you do a lot of traveling by boat, I noticed. There's, uh, they're, they're going from, you talked about the fact that these, these uh, like fortresses and, and monasteries and stuff there, they, they tend to go, require travel by ocean. And, of course, that comes in handy that apparently Brendan is, is good at running a, a ship, thankfully, and it helps them get along. And I, I'm just kind of fascinated by, you know, the fact that there's a, a, a group that comes together like this and, and makes things happen and keeps going along. It's really it's fun to see the, the three characters interact. It's, you know, the, you know, normally in comics, women tend to fall in the lowest lane uh, thing. And, and Merwin is not lowest lane, let's say. She's one of the ones that is actually more action oriented. So I kind of like that about her. Was she there to kind of uh, take care of business when they needed that? <laughs> yeah, in a certain way. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I just, I, I kind of felt the story needed, uh, you know, a, it's more or less a strong feminine presence and, and one that, um, you know, is maybe different than what, uh, than most, most comics have, but, uh, you know, but it's not, but not, not something that would you know overpower the rest of the team, but that would complement it. So kind of each, each person has their role and, and they, uh, they work together to achieve, to achieve their goal. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, it's great stuff. I, the first three issues are out right now, and Vikings are are rising up. They're they're taking more and more of a part in what's happening. In the third issue, they they do a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on, and let's just say that uh, they don't take no for an answer. Basically, is a good way to describe it. So, uh, how many issues are going to be in the in the whole story when all is said and done? So there should be uh, seven in the series. So, yeah, so we have three of them are completed. Uh, we just we just printed this, this third issue in, um, in March. So that is kind of pretty recent yet. But then we're also, we're, we're working on the fourth one. So we hope, um, we hope to get the fourth one done, possibly even by you know the end of the summer mm, that'd be great now you have used kickstarter i noticed in the past are you going to kickstarter number four as well possibly um you know we things of as we've you know produced different comic books we've you know been able to create uh a, you know a small company called voyage comics and um and sales have been good and, and they've been you know we've been growing, which is a good thing. And so, you know, we're definitely, we're looking to see what we can do. And, um, but yeah, if, um, you know, if we need to, we'll, we'll probably turn to, to Kickstarter and uh, to help, help finish it up. That'd be good. Cause uh, Kickstarter is one of those things that helps comics happen these days. I, I, I like to tell the story I read somewhere and I haven't read it since, but somebody was saying that after Marvel, the next biggest company where comics come from is Kickstarter. Or, or, <laughs> and I was like, wow. Cause you know, DC probably wasn't happy to hear that, but uh, 
there are a lot of comics coming through Kickstarter. In fact, right now, somebody was telling me that uh, they're looking for more comics projects on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. uh, all this stuff started to happen and, you know, with the, the pandemic and everything. A lot of people stopped projects that they were going to do in comics right now because they didn't think people would be interested. But the truth of the matter is, is they're desperately looking for people with comics projects to go on Kickstarter is what this person told me. So uh, unfortunately it's probably not going to help you at the moment because by the time you get around to number four, it'll be a little while down the road, but uh, Kickstarter is, is very interested in comics. So it's a, uh, it's a good idea for you to, to keep using Kickstarter if you need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's been, been great so far. We only been able to use Kickstarter for, for each of our, our comics and they've, they've always been, you know, fully funded and, and it's, yeah, it's, I, you know, our, our little company wouldn't be where it was if we didn't, uh, if we didn't have Kickstarter. Now I wanted to mention too, uh, that there's another book that I, I just downloaded before we got to, to talk. And it's a book called the mission of Joan of Arc, which is another uh, voyage comic. And you're the writer of that. I take it usually stuff coming out from voyage is going to be something you've been writing. seems like yeah. Interestingly enough, the person doing the letters is the person who that I know who does lettering for a friend of mine, by a guy by the name of James Reed. Oh, yeah. He does uh, – his name has a Y in there. That's how you know it's this particular James is J-A-Y-M-E-S. Mm -hmm. And he does a, a book is totally different from this one called Stabity Bunny that my friend uh, does. And so I, I was when I saw his name and I went, oh, I said, James gets around, which is pretty good. I, I like the way he does lettering, too. I think he does a good job. Talk about this other book, because this is a, a, you know, this is very different, you know, because you're in the seventh century and uh, Joan of Arc's in a different century, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. When is the, the Joan of Arc's uh, tale taking place? So, yeah, so, so, so Joan of Arc, you know, takes place in the, in the 15th century. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a little bit different, you know, Finian is kind of more on the fantasy side than on the historical side. Uh, Joan of Arc is, is more on the historical side. Um, but I also, you know, what I tried to do for the Joan of Arc, uh, comic book is, you know, she, you know, a lot of people know about her and, you know, a lot of people know that, um, one of the things about her life that got her into, you know, this, this war um, is these, you know, often they would call them voices from, and from these different saints and St. Michael, the archangel is actually one of the saints that, that she recorded. Um, but then in looking at, you know, kind of some of the documents, cause you can look at them on the internet of, the trial of Joan of Arc, you know, when they were interrogating her, she would, she would say that she actually, she saw St. Michael, the Archangel with her eyes um, and that he helped her command the armies uh, of the French. And so, you know, so what I did is I thought, well, we'll let's look at the story kind of like from her point of view and, and use these, these visions, you know, and actually depict them, you know, um, cause often in either movies or other place or other stories, you know, it's sometimes Joan is kind of depicted as, is kind of, she, um, 
she did, she's kind of a crazy person in a sense that she's yeah. like hear, just hearing these you know hearing these voices but so so then I depict her in in the in this comic series as as actually having seen Saint Michael and and how he kind of interacts with her and and helps her in her in her mission yeah which is really cool one of the things I've ever watched Christian movies talking about Christ they always make John the Baptist out as be some sort of crazy you know, person yelling and screaming all the time. And, and, you know, if you ever actually look into John the Baptist, he wasn't that way. So I'm always, and there's something about, uh, I think people who aren't Christian look at Christians and kind of go, I don't get that. So I've got to find some hook that I can use with it. And they don't necessarily find a realistic one all the time, sadly. So that's why I think I like the book. I, I read the first issue. I just got it, downloaded it before we got a chance to talk. I like the book because it's, it's, it's very accurate to her and to what we know. And I have this thing about strong female characters. And so I, I especially if the story revolves around her, I like that. And so that first book I really liked. So I, I want to see more of that. That's a really good book. How many books are going to be in that I- series? So, so that series will just be two, um, and and we'll be um, we'll be making some announcements in the next few weeks about about uh, the second issue. So um, so stay tuned. <laughs> very good, very good. So okay, which leads perfectly into the next part here. We want to talk about how people can keep track of stuff that you're doing. Uh, you have a, a website called VoyageComics.com. dot mm-hmm. and one of the things I liked on there there was a there's a page that says Christian entertainment shouldn't be boring. We understand how many Christian comics and media offer subpar products that don't appeal to a wide audience. That's why we created Voyage Comics and Publishing. We aim to provide amazing stories rooted firmly in the Catholic faith that anyone can pick up and enjoy, which I applaud. <laughs> like I said, I, I, every time I see John the Baptist and he's, and he's just fractured, I'm always kind of looking at it going, no, 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 that's not the way this goes. And so, you know, when somebody can do an accurate representation, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, uh, as I said, sometimes people, in order to tell a good story, you have to kind of play with it a little to fit the medium that you're working in. And so, like with comics and stuff, you've got to, you know, you come to an end of an issue, you've got to want to have something to bring people back the next time. So, you've got to do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a. I think you're doing a good job of that. Everyone that I've seen so far has really been a, a really great comic as as far as like grabbing me and, want, and making me want to come back and read some more. So I appreciate that. That's one of the things I like about your company, and I think uh, the books that you're doing. I'm dying to see what else you're going to do. I want to see the second part of this and what other things you might have in mind because there, there's a lot of stories out there that, to be honest, that we don't know that are really great stories. And because I always tell people, they always ask me if I, if I, I talk about the Bible at all, what's my favorite story in the Bible? I always like the story of Esther, which is in the old Testament. The story of Esther is about a woman, of course, a woman character, which always draws my attention. And she was, she's, she's there. And her husband is as an advisor who's actually uh, involved in, in persecuting of the, of her people, the Jewish people. And she has to stand up in such a way that she could be killed if she's not accepted. And I, you feel the drama when I read that in the Bible. I always love that story. It's just a great story, the way to do that. And when the time comes, she, let's just say it's a very dramatic conclusion when it comes out. I love that 
that that book of the Bible really well. But uh, I don't know if you ever think about that. That might be a story you might want to consider somewhere down the road to talk about because it's just a great, great again a female lead that I just love to to, to enjoy reading about. So just a thought, just a suggestion, but. Uh, there's lots of interesting stuff in there, and there's, there's lots of parts of the Bible, lots of parts of Christian tradition that we just don't know because it's not, you know, we'll sit and watch a movie, you know, like you were mentioning Star Wars and stuff. People are really into Star Wars. But there's a lot of other stories that I think is the Christian heritage that we could really enjoy and could be very well told and, and you know, very inspiring, I think. So I think you're doing a great idea. Thanks. Yeah, and, and actually on that same topic, uh, one project that we're working on right now um, is is a comic book, just a single issue on the book of Jonah. Um, and the, the kind of the twist there is, um, so uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, he, he, not too many people know, but he translated the book of Jonah for a translation of the Bible called the Jerusalem Bible. Um, and so, you know, you know, when you think of Tolkien, you think, you know, you think of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Um, and what's interesting is, is I found there's this one line that he translated that I haven't found in other uh, issues where, where it says when Jonah, you know, kind of goes down into, uh, when he gets thro- thrown off the boat and he's going to be um, eaten by the whale. And uh, Jonah says in Tolkien's translation, I went down in, I went down into the countries underneath the earth to the peoples of the past. Um, and so it's just kind of a, a interesting line. Um and I looked it up, and there's like these different uh, traditions or stories about Jonah going to, you know, this kind of like underworld. And and so what I did is I made a comic book called Jonah's Voyage to Atlantis. Hmm. Um, and and so that's kind of you know so I've. So I'm kind of taking, you know, this the story of Jonah in the Bible, but then also looking at these different, you know, myths and kind of connecting them all together. Mm. Sounds great. I'd love to read it because I, I, those kinds of things always fascinate me with those kind of things. So that's pretty good. Now, I don't. I want to mention uh, that you have your own website, um, philipkozlowski.com. And of course, we need to make sure we get your name spelled properly. It's uh, K O S L O S K I. The subtitle is "Your Armory for Spiritual Combat," and I think people who are interested in spiritual topics. I think would would benefit from your website as well. And I and I, I see you on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you on uh, other social media? Um, yeah, fa- mainly Facebook and Twitter. You can find both. Um, you can follow me, or you can follow Voyage Comics. Uh, as well. Very cool. Now, I've got to ask you something because, I, again, this subject always in, uh, attracts my attention. Have you ever heard of a comic called The Shepherd? I've not, no. Okay. Uh, there's a friend of mine who's an editor, just like I am, uh, and his name is Andrea Lorenzo Molinari. And his, he and his son have, have been writing a series called The Shepherd. Now, it's not Jesus who's the shepherd. There's What's happened is there's a guy his son 
has has passed, and he has to enter the 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 spiritual realm to find his son. And there's a big surprise going along in the way that it's written. He used to teach theology, is my understanding, Andrea used to. So it's kind of interesting, and it's uh, I really enjoy his stuff. I, I I actually came across his stuff several years ago, and we've gotten to be friends since then. And I like to read his stuff because it's it has a spiritual aspect to it, which I like. He's also I, I help out with Scout Comics, which is a company uh, based in Florida, and he is another editor for the company as well. So he and I kind of interact on occasion on stuff like that. So if you ever get a chance to see the Shepherd. I think it'd be something you might be uh, find it interesting. It's a little different. It, it's it comes out through Caliber Comics, but anyway, I I just thought I'd mention that because, like I said, anything that's like that always is going to get my attention. And I just thought that was that's a great stuff. And he he and his son do a wonderful job on that book and that stuff too. So um, so the next thing we're going to look forward to is uh, Finian number four coming out hopefully by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Joan of Arc, when's that going to hit? That one, we're you know we have another team working on that, and hopefully this summer as well. So we're we're going to try to to roll out the second Joan of Arc uh, this summer and the fitting number four also this summer. So we'll see see how it goes, but that's what our hope is. And the Jonah book you were mentioning is there is that uh, possible anytime soon? Uh, that that's being worked on, and that'll be by the fall. Okay, so. okay. Because you know the things being as they are, when we're talking the pandemic and all that good stuff, it's all kind of throwing everything all into chaos. Which is, you know, the, the good news is, is like people like like you working on this is a great time to get things done, mm-hmm. so that uh, things can come out uh, and. Uh, you know, if how do you sell your books? This is something I should ask you before I let you go. Do you sell them through like uh, bookstores, like Christian bookstores, or how do you do that? Sure. So um, primarily, um, we sell them uh, on our website, voyagecomics.com. Um, we do have some, a few, a handful of bookstores that do sell them, but you know, at this point, they're all uh, they're all closed for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and then sometimes we'll go we'll go to different different events, but but primarily through the website as as of right now. Have you ever gotten to a comic convention? Uh, not yet. So hope so. <laughs> I think that would be fun. I think that there'd be a, I, it's one of the great things about comic conventions when they finally do come back up is that we get a lot of variety in comic conventions. You see all kinds of small publishers and uh, indie uh, comic creators and stuff like that will always be the different ones. And so I, I, I think you would do a, do well to get out there and, and, and kind of attract some more attention from comic people. I think there's a, there's a lot of good things that, uh, that could be out there. So I, I, I really, like I said, I enjoyed the book again, if voyagecomics.com and say the name of it again, it's Finian. Finian and the seven mountains. Yeah. there. And then of course, uh, Joan of Arc has the, what's the beginning of that title? I always forget. It's, it. uh, the mission of Joan of Arc. Yeah. So that's good stuff. So all kinds of good things going on, Philip. I, I, I wish you much success and keep at it because you're doing some wonderful stuff. And I, I didn't mention it all, but the art is really good too. One of the things that falls down on some indie comics is the art isn't quite so good, but the art in your books are, is outstanding. I really like it. It's, it's not super heroic in the sense that there's not a lot of 
punching and kicking going on a lot of the time, but it's very clear and easy to understand what's happening, which I don't always get in, a, in comics. So I'm, I'm happy to see that in yours. So you're right. You're talking about the folks from DC and Marvel and stuff who might have helped. They really have put together a quality comic in Finney and I think also with Joan of Arc too. All good stuff. And I just hope you keep doing that and making more of those. I'm going to be paying attention and, and trying to keep aware of what you're doing. Thank you. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this week. Be sure to be back next time when I'll have another great interview with yet another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.